We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody. You can relax because Arsenal won the Derby. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. We won the Derby. 4-0, no less. So, look, I know that no one wants lowered expectations, and, and I don't either, by the way. I, I do want the 10-0, but I am here to tell you I would take another 4-0 this Saturday. I would. I know it's lowering my expectations, but I would take it. 4-0 to Arsenal smashing Tottenham Hotspur women. And I predict that we will do the very same this Saturday, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, let me just do this. Let me introduce Clive, and then I'm going to ask you one big favor. So Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Did you enjoy Arsenal smashing Tottenham? Always good, whatever the place, wherever the venue? Yeah, it was nice. They had a, a big big spot on the BBC TV, which is our mm-hmm. national TV over here. And basically... The light was shining on us and being I did an interview and uh, it was a very sunny day with lots of families and young people there. Yeah, it looked a really good experience on TV. So yeah. Record wonderful. for attendance too. Yeah. Yeah, they sold over fifty thousand at good prices, but they sold them, I think in the mid forties they got into the ground, right? On the day. So um Yeah. Yeah, beautiful really good. day for it. Really good. And uh yep. Congrats to Tim, who I know uh, had a fun day out and obviously does great work covering the Arsenal women. So not available today um, as a result of Arsenal women and women's football related duties. But we will certainly try to get um, some thoughts from him this week about that game. I do want to ask you a favor. So uh, as you know, last year we were very fortunate to have won the Football Content Awards Best Premier League podcast. And that's because of you. And uh, our blog, Arscast, is actually up for... Um, the FSA Awards, which is a, a huge award, and I hope that you will nominate him and vote for him when the time comes. And and uh, if you're willing to support us, there's two ways. There's a link in the description to this show that you can click and just vote um, Best Podcast Premier League and vote for us if you like or vote for the Spurs Podcast if you like. It'd be a weird thing to do, but you know you got to do what makes you happy. Or on social media, you can just message, I am voting for at Arsenal V Podcast in the at the underscore FCAs for hashtag Best Podcast, parentheses Premier League, 
exclamation point. You're never going to remember that, right? But it's also in the description. It's also in our pinned tweet. So if you'd like to do that, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we do love you for doing that. And then hopefully can get over there for the event and maybe coordinate a live event around that happening. So um, another reason to, to try to give that a go. And oh, by the way, we are working on live events in, in other places too, maybe one in the States on the horizons. That that Vegas event that got canceled, that's definitely going to happen again. So keep eyes open and ears out for that. All right. We're going to talk today about the injury situations and who might be available for the Derby, but also take a, a wider view, open our lens a little bit and, and look at October generally. Because I think there is a question of who is in the group and who we're going to need. Make no mistake. The squad will be tested. You know that movie, There Will Be Blood? There will be soft tissue injuries. <laughs> there, the squad will be tested. We play, and I'm not kidding, every 14 hours in the month of October. So that's going to be difficult, just getting to and from the games. Uh, I kid, but, but only barely. Clive, let's start with some of the headlines in terms of news as we look forward to the Derby. Zinchenko, Tierney, White, Tomiyasu, Thomas Party. These are all names on everybody's lips. Let's start with Thomas Party. He was called back by Arsenal. Um, they've released him and allowed him to come back. There was a concern that he had a knee, some kind of knee issue, but then they said, oh, well, he's going to play. I think it was against Nicaragua on Tuesday. We were able to talk them out of that and bring him back. Are you nervous that the fact that he came back means that there may be more to the knee injury, or do you think it's a good sign that, we, that we're getting him back and he's going to be ready to go for the for the Derby, given that he was considered to, to play on Tuesday. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good sign that he's back under our control. Um, I was be talking beforehand, and I think Arsenal have been quite strong in this international break. I think our season derailed on the international break, was it April? I think yep. when we lost Tierney and Party was... three on the trot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Party was obviously injured for me at Crystal Palace. He was. You can always tell with him the way he runs. He's like he's running on hot coals. He's, he is somebody mechanically not very good. and um, But when he's good, you can see it. He's, he's one of those people. A bit like Aaron Ramsey when he's come out from injury, he'd be terrible for a couple of games, and suddenly he's flashing across your screen. <laughs> you think, okay, mm-hmm. he's back. You know, and it really was like that <laughs> yep. with him. You know, and um, So, yeah, I think part is the same. You can see when he has a terrible game, starts giving the ball away. You think, I've now realised that those are the moments when we've overplayed him, because the next game he normally misses. You know, out of yeah. nowhere. So uh, he knows how to pass the ball. He just needs to be fit, right? So, so I think it's a good thing. When I look at those October games, mate. Do you think you're going to get through all of those? No chance. So I, I might pull a tongue or a, a larynx or something just trying to podcast all those games. I don't know how they're going to play them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the – obviously Spurs is the big one, right? So we focus on that. And Bodo Glint, I'm not too sure what they're like um, – I think they had some Didn't good results. Didn't they beat PSV in the first group stage game? I'm pretty sure they, they may did, have done. Actually. And last year, I think they beat one of the Scottish teams, Celtic Rangers, not sure which one. And so I think the, the amount of effort we put around them is going to be important. Having that home game against against them before Liverpool, They drew PSV away, by the way, just yeah, to clarify. Okay. They drew PSV away. So they they're currently not, uh, topping, topping the group, having played two games, but we've only played yeah. one against Yeah, so they're not they're – not, they're not, they're not rubbish, right? So, um, but I'm hoping they are. But these are the games we're playing these Europa League games that we can get through them sort of stress free. I think that's the key thing. No dramas, just stress free. Because Liverpool is is massively important. If we do well against Spurs and Liverpool, this team is going to look and feel different to maybe everybody else. You know, yeah. to us, we're getting excited, but people still don't trust us, right? 
it's it's a chance to right some wrongs in a way too, because I think we went into that United game feeling really good, and people were like, "Let's see, we're we're curious about Arsenal here. Let's see what they're really about." And I think we played the way we had been playing. We didn't get the result I think we were we were looking for, but also maybe I hate to use the word deserve. You don't deserve anything in football, but I I think the the result that our performance would have warranted had we gotten it. Now we we have Spurs and Liverpool as our two next league fixtures, and they're at home, and so. This is our chance to show we are what we think we are. I know, oh, by the way, after Leeds away, it's City at home. We play three of the best teams in the league, and I hate to include Tottenham in that group, but for now we will, and we play them at home. Not it quite, is a mate. chance. No, I think the, the, the way it works out, we've got both. Oh, right. No, oh. the City game's been suspended for, yeah, for the PSV. Exactly, I apologize. Exactly, that's right. Exactly. That's right. Yep, my bad. So well, think, two of the top teams in the league. Yeah, yeah but I think the, the Leeds game becomes a real challenge, right? Because Leeds are very high energy. So we go away in Europe on a Thursday. So that would be one of the Elliott rotation games for me, that Europa League game. Lead, uh, okay, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then to save our legs for the Sunday game. I think that's really important. We go to the PSV home game, which was the City Day, I believe. But we can go into that with a with a stronger team. So how winning the Bolo Glimp game at home is key. Go away with an inexperienced team after Liverpool to save our legs for leads away, which I think will be a tough game, a high-energy game. PSV at home, which again would be a decent level. We could have a mix-and-match team. And then we go away to a young, vibrant Southampton team. They're they are like a box of chocolates team. Not sure what you're going to get. They've got some good young players. Uh, they, I really like their strategy. Good young players. Good one week, terrible the next. And that's a bit of an ambush, that game. So I think that would be important. We've got legs for that as well. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we, we've sort of been given a, a little bit of luck about is not luck, but you know, we play Liverpool wrapped around two Boda Glimped games that of course we need to win and take seriously, but yeah. Liverpool have Rangers, not not the hardest game, but they have they have the home and away with Rangers in the Champions League. Liverpool need to win those games. You know, they're they're not in a position where they can just glide through those games given their start to the Champions League. So I think they will probably have put just a little bit more into their midweek and have an eye on their midweek a little bit more than we do. That could be a benefit. I mean, look, we'll see how this all shakes out. At the end of the day, you step out on the pitch and you can't be thinking, oh, they had exertions against Rangers. This is going to be easy. It's It doesn't work. Well, we know I, I, that. I, yeah. You know what? That's a, that's a really good point you made there. And thanks for looking that up because our games against Bolo Glim won't be as emotional as the Rangers games. They'll be mm-hmm. Battle of Britain games. I've got friends going to the Rangers games in Liverpool, and they are looking forward to it. And they're not. <laughs> there will be lots of people going to those games. Very emotional, very high emotional atmospheres, and I think that could be a drain. You know, a big, a much bigger drain than what we have. So I think that's a really good shout. It could, it could have an impact. Yeah, well, I mean, give it. Look, Liverpool have won one and lost one in in their uh, group which is the same as what Ajax has done. Rangers have lost both. Liverpool needs to beat Rangers twice to put themselves into a pretty good position here to feel like they're going to yeah. go through, and they probably will go through. But so th- my point is they're not throwaway games, um, and that that can be helpful. It's it's ultimately you know also worth pointing out that, that Spurs are going to have Champions League stuff ahead, right? And so obvi- they play us, but then they have to go to Eintracht Frankfurt on Tuesday. I don't think there's no possibility they're going to have an eye on that going into a derby, obviously. But 
you know, it, it is something that Conte will will have to consider. It's just those extra little, I, I want to say advantages. They're only at the margins, but they may be helpful. The, the ultimate point here, Clive, is that all of these teams are going to be confronting the same issues, and they're all going to deal with it differently. Some clubs are going to try to rotate. Some clubs are going to try to push their starters as far as they can go to the breaking point. I think this is going to be an interesting test for Mikel because you could argue, and I'm not saying I necessarily think it completely, but I think you could argue that rotation has been a thing that Mikel has maybe been spotty on at times uh, in, in his Arsenal tenure, that it's a thing that we haven't really seen him get totally comfortable with yet. He's left his substitutions for late a lot of times in games. I think for Mikel, and this is understandable, there's a group he trusts, and there's a group he's not sure he can trust. And maybe that group is, of trust is expanding. You know, maybe a Vieira is coming into that group now. Maybe Sambi has entered that group a little bit more. Now he's got two left backs that he definitely trusts. He's got two right backs he definitely trusts. So the group is definitely expanding. He's got a second center forward I think he has faith in. He's going to need to show that he can use that group. And I'm sort of wondering, let's, let's just talk this through for a minute. What is the group? I mean, do, do you think that we will see Premier League games where it'll be Vieira for Odegaard sometimes, or it'll be Sambi for Party, or it'll be Mkedia for one of the front three? I mean, how, how will he rotate and who is in the group if he's going to do it at all in, in the Premier League? Because I think the one position I'm not sure about is is whether he's going to want to rotate Thomas Party, and that's the one he's probably going to have no choice but to do. Yeah, he'll rotate Party, but also he may start him in some games and, and take him off. I think that's the key thing. It's it's, it's minutes now. We need to be, we need to be accumulating the minutes and keeping a note on the load rather than the starts. You know, and you know he, what he seems to like is he seems to like the squad to travel together and be together. So mm. there may be, you know, Eddie may start in Europa League games, but Jesus come on for 15, 20 minutes to keep his rhythm. I know you're, that's yeah. when you put your head in your hands and you go, what's he doing? He might as well just rest. <laughs> but, but it means he, if he plays 15, 20 minutes, he hasn't got to train. Does it mean so you keep your levels yeah. high? You keep your levels high. You do, you do a couple of strides after the game and then that's it. You have a day off everybody else and you're ready for the next game. So those minutes are, they are important, even though they're only reduced minutes. Same with Saka, we can see that. I think it's a player that I'm really hoping is taking these two weeks to really get himself right and have the right rehab. And that's Smith Rowe. You know, we, we forget people so quickly. And, um, he's a, he's a major player, a major player to come in and really take the load off people while he's getting himself up to a, a, a certain level. And we, ne- we need to see him soon. You know, there's no problem with him missing his first phase of the season because everyone's playing once a week. Hope we're not losing too many people that's attacking me there, as a, apart from maybe Odegaard. And we have someone to backfill him, right? We found Marquinhos. We found Vieira. So we're, we're okay, you know? So, but we need one more. Maybe, you know, in there. And Smith Rowe is that guy that can really really fill in and help and bring mm. goals. He's a very wise substitute. I think we miss him. So let's hope he comes back with a level of health to start his season, you know, just in time, really. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I think the interesting thing with Thomas Party Clive is he was never really injured at Atleti, but he was very interestingly managed. Whether you want to say it was because of the quality of their midfield, or you want to say that they understood something about him mechanically and how to use him. Yeah. He always played their biggest games. But if you look in the league, he had 33 starts, 
32, uh, pardon me, 33 matches played, 32 matches played, 35 matches played in three consecutive seasons. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. He never topped 2,500 minutes. And in two of those seasons, he was under 2,400 and in one, only 2,000 minutes. So despite appearing in almost all of their league games, he started 28, 22, and 29. His minutes were capped at a pretty roughly like 2,300, 2,400 minutes on average. So I think what it says is that this is a very, very good player. Like I said, he started their biggest games always. But is he a player who maybe has, for mechanical reasons or one reason or another, a need to be managed? Because if you look at us, he, he played 24 games for us last year, last season. He went 22 and a half 90s. We're trying yeah. to get him 90 minutes every time he's out there, and maybe that's not the player he's ever going to be. He's not Granite Shack, you know? Yeah, maybe. Uh, that's a really good point. And I think there's something that like, I remember when we played against Liverpool and we were looking at him, or actually when we started looking at him, that was a game we all looked back on to see how good he was, you know? And and in that game, if you watch that game, and I've said this before, if you watch that game, he was absolutely outstanding for like 70 minutes or so. But the last 20 minutes in a high-energy Anfield he was blowing, mate. And I, and mm-hmm. part of our scouting we did at the time was, my my takeaway was, he anaerobically wasn't that great. I think he tires in games. And I didn't really think about the injuries because there was no record of any. Obviously, he was, like right. you say, he was well-managed, right? So, but anaerobically and mechanically, he has issues. But when he's on, he's tremendous. But Sam is a year older now. We need to get to a point where he comes off the pitch. It's, it's not a drama for me. Against Spurs, if he, if he does 75 minutes, comes off the pitch, regardless of the score. Because we can't have him gone for eight weeks again. You know, that's the key thing. We can't have him gone for eight weeks because there's no one like him in our team. And and we've got the World Cup. And, and Ghana, he's a Ghana captain, right? They're going to rinse him clean as they, as they should, right? They're going to rinse him out. He's going to play every minute of every game that they're there. And, you know, he's going to come back probably a little bit damaged. So we can't send him in damaged, you know, because then it would really happen. So that's a really good point, Elliot. I think we just need to have change our mind about him. Don't worry about him finishing games. Just make sure you can start them. Yeah. Do you think we maybe caught a little bit of a break? So England play Germany as we record this tomorrow, but probably yeah. as you're listening to this today. That's a game that England is always going to take seriously. It's match day six in the Nations League. I mean, there's there's no chance that that's a rotated lineup. I wouldn't think. I well, mean, it's a dead, it's a complete dead rubber, right? So England are officially relegated from the top tier Nations League, so it's it's a dead game for them. Well, my, your guess is good as mine. What Southgate's going to do? Because at the moment he seems to be rehabbing some of his favourites, recalling a couple of his favourites. I mean, I'm a big fan of what Southgate did with England, and particularly changing the culture, creating the club mentality raising the standards. The players couldn't wait to get there. There's no yeah. denying it. He has changed the perception of what England used to be when we had Sam Allardyce there for a short period and and Roy Hodgson walking around like he's on holiday in the, at the World Cup. All he was missing was a handkerchief on his head. He's moved the team forward significantly. And I'm not going to forget that. However, I do feel he's now in a stage where he's not sure what to do. He's, he's, he's grown to like his players. He reminds me of Arsene towards the end. He likes his people around him. That's what happens when you're there a little bit too long. And it's going to be a challenge for him now. You know, what's he going to do? He's got some decisions to make. 
I don't know what team's going to be out there on um, Monday night, but I'm hoping Pakai Saka's not involved because watching him stand at left wing back when Harry Maguire hasn't got the flexibility in his body to pass to him, <laughs> it's it's actually criminal. It's criminal waste of talent. And um, so, yeah, I'm hoping he sat, he sat there in his flip-flops on the sideline watching and getting himself ready for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because I think if Harry Kane is playing... I mean, Son is in Korea. I, I, I mean, if he plays Tuesday, he will be playing in Korea against Cameroon and then have to fly back for a derby first thing Saturday morning. Uh, sorry, not for you. <laughs> for me, it's first thing Saturday morning. <laughs> you know, but, but Saturday lunchtime kickoff. And I think that's an interesting point because, you know, we have Gabriel Jesus didn't go away. Martinelli didn't go away. Right, we we've got these players that are still there, sat comfortably at Colney, getting instruction, doing a little bit of training, not flying fourteen hours or twenty hours or whatever the heck it is to to get back and have to hit training Thursday as their first training session. Do do you think that it's rarely the case? But do you think that maybe just maybe this international break favors us for a change going into the derby, given where their players have gone off to, and and you know, their return schedule and, and our players that didn't go away. Yeah, that big Gabby, Gabriel Magdalene, whatever you call him, mm -hmm. he was last seen in Mykonos on the beach, right? So <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sure some of the others have gone away as well. And this is a they've got to take everything they can get, right? To get their to get their legs up and then come back in and then get themselves going again. And they probably went on a two, three, four day break and then come back into training. And that makes perfect sense, right? So yeah, we, I I don't want to get too excited about Spurs, but um, I'm excited. <laughs> we, we are. I think we are. You know, we're way better than when we played them in um, way better shape than we played them on their ground in, in in April May this season. That's for sure. And I, I'm really interested to see us tested. I think we do need to win this game, but we also, for me, I, I also we all want to beat Spurs. But my eyes are really on Liverpool as well. We haven't really beaten Liverpool or City for quite a while, and I think that's going to be the convincer. You know, if we beat Spurs or George yeah. Spurs, it is what it is. But if we beat Liverpool, people are going to say, okay, this is, looks a little bit more real. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, like, Kuliszewski, Richarlison, Son, and Kane, all likely playing on Tuesday. Son flying back from Korea on Wednesday. Martinelli, not playing. Gabriel Jesus, not playing. Thomas Party called back, resting up, not playing. Magalhaes, not playing. Right? Ben White may not be available, so we may have an issue with Tomiyasu having to play, and, and he's played. Yeah, we don't Japan. know that, though, do we? We're not sure what the situation is, but Tomiyasu seems to be called back by the club. And yes, what do you think that means? Well, I don't know. About, without me taking on the Elliot Whiskers uh, <laughs> identity, I'm thinking, well, Ben White, how are you, son? Do you see what I mean? But you haven't played since the last game where you literally were almost the best player on the pitch. So you've come off early for a clap from the fans. And I'm hoping you come off early just for a clap from the fans and you weren't injured. You know, so just wait and see. But that little message there, the club has called him back and and Japan have agreed to it. Makes me wonder, right? What's what's actually happening there with Ben White? Yeah. Uh it's it's a fair question. Look, I, I think the good news is. I, most of us listening to this podcast or recording this podcast at this moment probably regard Tomiyasu as 
at least as good as Ben White. Some might think better. Some might think less good at right back. But certainly in the range of quality where I don't think we lose much. And if it is Young Minson on that flank, I actually think Tomiyasu can potentially be more of a lockdown defender. Now, to be fair to White, he's been exceptional at that this season. He yeah. went up against Zaha and and didn't give much away until he was on a yellow card. So, like, my, my point is that I'm not I'm not super concerned which one it has to be. Um, but I do think we've been we've been handed an opportunity here with Spurs' strength, obviously, very squarely in their attack. All of them have gone away to their national teams. All of them will play Tuesday. Some of them will have long trips back. And our front line, with the exception of Bukayo Saka and our most important attacking players, and I and I include Odegaard in that group, have really had their their feet up and just looking at some video and doing some light training. Um, now, you, you know, there's there's that doesn't mean you go and you win the derby when the when the ball is kicked off. You, you know, all of that goes out the window. But how are you feeling ahead of this generally? I, you know, I find myself st- struggling because the, the derby is never something you can feel comfortable or confident about. But I definitely like the way we're playing, and, and I like the situation we're in going into it. Yeah, me too. Uh, what I do also like is that uh, we seem to be well prepared for morning games, which has been something that historically we haven't been. But last year or so, we've done really quite well in those morning games. So that's that's one Not thing. Not me. I've been a shambles. I watched the Tommy Asu clips for Japan, and he started left center back and then ended the game at right back, and he was he was excellent. Absolutely excellent, and so there's there's no issues with him at all. I think it's interesting to see what Spurs do if they go for a three man midfield, which they ended the last game by doing. A lot of their fans want to see that. Uh, I just played yeah. two strikers, but he takes out Kulusevski, so let's see what happens there. I like Kulusevski; I think he's a really good player, and but I've also always always had this little hunch before Sinchenko came along that Tom Yasu might get a bit of time at left back particularly against those inverted wingers, you know, and they're coming on the, on their left foot and having somebody strong on his right side tackling. I, I really like that thought process, but I, I seem to be alone with that, <laughs> given the fact that Tierney and Zinchenko are there. If they played Tom Yassi there, then people are going to think, what are you doing? But Spurs are also a very tall team. And I just had this little, you know, with my nervous side, I had this little inkling to play Tommy Asu there and say, you know, that back five, Tommy Asu, Sleeper, Gabriel, White, and Thomas Party, that looks quite physically awesome. Do you know what I mean? But maybe that scenario should be kept for away games, shall we say, and not home games when the sun is shining at the Emirates and we need to smash them. I need to progress the ball and control the ball. But maybe some of our away tougher away games, I'd like to see that back five and see how we go and see how people can get near us. And then, and then use our front five, give them a real armchair and say, right, go and sort them out. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's also the, the case, right, that one of the things the Derby does is it it takes so much focus and so much attention and so much emotion that it can be hard to get yourself back from that. And I think we maybe saw a little bit of the impact of that last season, right, when we went away, got smacked in the Derby with a little help from the referees, and then just were not in the right mindset or squad quality or whatever you want to say to compete against Newcastle. I don't want to even think about that at this point, but I do think we get a little bit of benefit of having Europa League in midweek too, because you go from the Derby, you get that game in between the Derby and Liverpool, right? Where you can just sort of reset, get out there, 
change, take, take the temperature down a little, right? Change the, the mindset a little bit. So you don't go right from the Derby, right to Liverpool at home. It is a really, it's a crucible. I mean, those, those two games, I want to ask you, do you think that there's a, a player who maybe is suddenly going to become more important than we've seen or, or might be included in this next couple of run of, of difficult league fixtures that we haven't had our eye on. I mean, I, I look at that front line. It's been Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, pretty consistently. Do you think that, you know, we might see an Enkedia be more important off the bench or maybe Emil Smith-Rowe gets fit? You know, nobody's talking about him at all right now. He's such a talented player. He's kind of been forgotten. Could Emil Smith-Rowe be a, a key October piece of the puzzle that we haven't thought about who could come back to us at an absolutely crucial moment and and do what he's done so often in the last couple of seasons, step into games with important goals as a substitute, maybe give us some starts that we haven't been expecting. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I hope so, right? It depends on the injury report that we get, right? So I spoke a bit about him earlier. So, But again, a player that I, even though he's only on the pitch for a couple of minutes against Brentford, Mark Hinos looks really quite good. You know, he looks he looks like he could really add something. You know, and I think... It's important we have that extra forward type player that we can play to, particularly late in games, to to maintain control. And he he looks very, very, very promising to me. And he's nowhere near settled yet, you know. So I'm looking at him. Obviously, Vieira just seems to be somebody you can plug in anywhere, really. And he just keeps yeah. the ball, keeps it moving our way, and it's incredibly I interesting. Might start in place of Shaka sometimes because, like, like. Shaka plays every single game. <laughs> I, and I, I think we presume presume that he can. Yeah. But it would be prudent not to try to play him every single game. I mean, where where do you see Vieira's role? Could it be as as relief for Shaka during October? Uh, maybe, right? Let's see how the games are going. Arteta's not afraid to look at things in certain games. I mean, there yeah. were games last year when he paid Eddie off to side, and I thought that was really instructive for me. He did it with Balogun as well in some of the in some of the reserve games. Sorry, under twenty three games, he played off to side again. I think that's really a good developmental thing. Um, so having these players that can play in these different zones is really important. We all, well, not we all, we all interested and intrigued to see Vieira play that left eight role on a certain a certain day and see if he can pair it with Odegaard and see what it looks like. We've also seen that work with Odegaard and Smith Rowe, and it hasn't really worked. That mean so, although it looks nice and paper, you look at the attributes. Does it work? Well, we seem to be a bit more aggressive in our back line at the moment, so it may work because we're in more offensive areas. Where at that time, when we saw Odegaard and, and Smith Rowe, we were a lot deeper, we weren't in such control, and they had more distance to travel and more defensive all round work to do. And I think we're a different team now, we need to control the ball much higher up and, and really yeah. push teams back. So, I want to look at that again. Um, but yeah, I think for me, adding, I th- I'm I'm really excited about Marquinhos. Funny enough, that's the one that really excites me. I I, I see something there that's really transmitting to me. Some say, look, I'm, when I get here, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hard to ignore. I think that's gonna really challenge people in a slightly different way. So that's the one I'm really looking forward to seeing the next couple of weeks. That'd be helpful, right? Because one of the players we haven't been able to find rest for over the past couple of seasons is Bukayo Saka. Um, now he's gotten the rest just by there not being midweek games, but. That's an interesting thing, because the way I look at it, there would be a couple of players, if I'm Mikel Arteta, that I would say, they're not going to play any Thursdays. They're not. 
I'm not starting them on Thursday. I'm not using them on Thursday. And those would be the players where I say, I don't think it works without them. Gabriel Jesus wouldn't start or play a Thursday game for me. Yeah. Maybe he'd be on, in line to come on against a PSV homer away if you needed him. Uh, Thomas Party wouldn't start a Thursday game for me. Yeah. You might even say that given his injury track record, there's no reason to use Zinchenko in a midweek game because you have a great alternative in Tierney and he's going to want to play, so you might as well play him on Thursdays. Maybe Saliba is one that you don't play. I mean, he's a young buck with you know tons of energy. He can he can play five games a week, I'm sure. But what do you think? Are there are there players that you would sort of X out from the Europa League group squad group? I mean, and and say these players are not certainly not starting and hopefully not seeing the pitch in midweek for me. For me, it'll just be. I'd like to see us protect Saka. That's that, I'd like to see that. I think we have got players mm-hmm. to do that, and I definitely agree on Thomas Pye. There's just no need. I mean, there is literally no need for him to travel, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and we just got to find a way without him. On, on, for the home game against PSV, we need it. Then that's different. But um, for the away games, nah, don't go, don't go anywhere. Keep yourself nicely rested. And um, in the last game, you could see his importance to us. And he didn't have a great passing day per se, but what he adds on how he passes, the disguise which he passes, mm-hmm. and how he creates defensive transitions, I just think he's just critical to us. And, and and what he exudes to other people, other people just don't go near him really. And when he goes into battle, you know, bodies come flying out the sides, right? And he's got the ball. And so it's just like trying to play football with your dad, right? He's just difficult <laughs> to get the ball off him. And um, when you're a kid, you know, so, um, so yeah, he, he, he brings something to us, a level of assurance and solidity. And that Arsenal got a soft underbelly touch. It's no longer there when he's there. When he's not there, I think we can be got at, you know, so we've got to protect it, him. Yeah. It definitely feels like one way or the other, unfortunately, Maybe as soon as January, but definitely next summer, we have to start thinking about how we're replacing him. Because mm. if it's not going to be Samby, look, he's not, Thomas Party's not getting any younger. I'm not going to go full age curve here, I promise. But like, he, we already know he needs to be managed, that there's an amount of minutes he's going to be available for. And it looks like there's an amount of minutes he's not. If we don't think we have a guy who can play the minutes he's not available for, then what we really need is a guy who we trust to play 3,000 minutes a season. Yeah. Right. We need a guy who who we think can play Shaka amount of minutes at a Thomas Party level in midfield. We don't have that right now. And so while Thomas Party, you know, whatever you think of the guy, he's a critical part of what we do. And I don't think we have a like for like option to him. It is time to think about, about his replacement. Some would say, yeah. Clive, the time was this past summer that we missed the window, that we that we really rolled the dice on our season. And October is going to be interesting because if Party winds up not being available for a chunk of it, we're we're going to find out whether the, we rolled the dice and and won or rolled the dice and lost because we didn't go for the heir apparent, the incumbent. That person right now still looks like it might be Sambi Lakanga, and I know there's a lot of question marks about that. So how do you think about that in terms of, is, is that the next big priority on the horizon that maybe, maybe should have been addressed, but we'll need to quickly, soon? Yeah, so obviously strategy changed when Elneny got this injury, which, by the way, I'm not sure what it is. You're not, I haven't read anything yet that tells me mm. what it is, but it's, it sounds like it's significant and we won't see him this calendar year. So El Nenny was the, was the party rest guy. He was the takeout, just a simple guy put yeah. in there, keep it moving, and 
with age and security around him and assurance and basically just keep it moving and allow Sammy to develop. But now Sammy's was thrown in and he did fine up to a point, a bit unlucky at Old Trafford with some of the moves, but he did fine. But we can all see the gap, right? So so what did Arthur do? Try to go for Douglas Louise. Now Douglas Louise, some people say was that the right move or not, but Arsenal have had their eyes to him for a while and they went for him. And I think we can say they really went for him. Some of the things we read we're not sure about. Mm. But we went for him. And Villa you know, in my mind, we're crazy not to take the money, given the fact that we're using his contract situation. So that's going to be interesting to see what we do in January. Do we go back for him, or do we go for another Brazilian player called Danilo, who's a, a left footed yeah. centre mid from Palmeiras that we've been potentially looking at for quite a while. Now, it's an easy link to make, given our. Uh, with Edu and our sort of Brazilian background we have in our team at the moment. I smell a scouting video jinx coming, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I'm, I, like everybody else, had a bit of free time over this international break. And you get, I've been looking around, right? So I look at him and I think he is he is different. He does, you know, he does move well. He carries the ball well. He progresses it nicely. He seems like a true six to me. And, um, we don't know if he can transmit to our league, obviously, but look at Marquinhos, right? I don't think it took him, I don't think we're too long before we're going to look at him and say, you're okay in this league. Look what happened with Martelli, for example. So, interesting one, one to watch. What will we do? Will we go for 24, 25 year olds and say, you played in our league, we can't afford to take a risk position? Or do we say, actually, let's, Thomas Pye is still our guy, but like you said, maybe reduce our minutes with somebody, his minutes with somebody else who is a true six, and maybe look at um, Sambi as the heir apparent to Shaka, shall we say, and then Vieira as the heir apparent to Odegaard and also can help cover on the right-hand side. So I think we've got some flexibility there and some options, but I do think looking at the ages of Elneny, Shaka and Party, we need to do something there at some point. I, mean, I think if an opportunity presents itself, we should take it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I find myself in a weird position where I feel very at ease with a lot of the groupings and zones of the pitch. I feel very at ease defensively. If it's not White, it's Tomiyasu, right? Um, if it's not Saliba or Magalhaes, it's White or Tomiyasu, right? I, and and so that, there's a lot of flexibility there. On the left, if it's not Zinchenko, it's, it's Tierney. Very good group. Feel very confident about that. Up front, Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka looks great. But, you know, can a, a Vieira step in there? Emil Smith-Rowe certainly will be valuable there. We've seen that Enkedi is a better player than maybe I thought at one point who we really trust and rely on. There's, We think we have something in Marquinhos. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I don't know many clubs. Like, if City didn't have Holland, they don't have a Holland replacement, right? So, like, you, yeah. you're going to go down a level if you lose your best players, but I feel pretty good. Um, it's that midfield area where I think we're we're trying to figure out what we have as a group. And we like Vieira as maybe an Odegaard fill-in. We saw that literally just last game. We don't know what we have in Sambi. There's been this talk that maybe yeah, he's more sick, more eight than six. I think well, we might see that. He might play that role in the Europa League, and we'll see, is he more eight or is he more six? But Elneny is not the answer and not available. Sambi may not be the answer for six, and Thomas Party has a minutes issue. So it really is hard not to have your eye on that position right now because I do feel comfortable. The one point I would make, though, is I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a club in the Premier League, Clive, who doesn't have a position or a player that they look at and say, that guy comes out, we're in trouble. 
You know, the idea that every single zone of the pitch is going to be covered with abundant quality such that if a player comes out, you feel just as good about it. I don't think that's realistic. And I think we're in a really good spot squad-wise generally. What I want to do is shift the conversation a little bit more to what we actually need to achieve in October and look at some of the the goal setting and things like that. Because, you know, that is, this this next month is going to determine a lot of what we think we can achieve when the World Cup ends, which I can't yeah. believe that's going to just get in the middle of this. But before we do that, one of the important things that I really need to tell you is that Champions League Soccer is back, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> Nine months of heart-stopping, hold your breath, exhilaration starts September 6th. Nope, it did already. Elliot, read the part. Here we go. UEFA Champions League Soccer is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You know, they're just getting bonus se- seconds here, so they can't complain. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold your breath, exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams, and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona, and more in soccer's biggest club competition. Most of those clubs are going to find themselves in the Europa League, I think. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time, and stream every match of the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus and the Europa League. like that. Just put it in there. It's the one we care about. And uh, just as a reminder, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It's time to think about problem solving. And uh, it's funny, Clive and I were talking about just life stuff before we started recording. And I was talking about some of the issues that I'm going through. And it's, it's so funny because we have this idea of what is mental health and what isn't. Mental health is anything that's occupying your mind that is getting in the way of you being able to really go and do the things you need. It doesn't have to be the big things. And sometimes it is the big things. It is genuine mental health issues. Sometimes it's just problem solving. It's issues with our partner. It's issues with our kids. It's issues with our coworkers that's occupying space in your brain. We sometimes say like living rent-free. That's a thing. And especially with social media now, the brain can get all clouded up with stuff you don't need in there. Get in a problem-solving mode. BetterHelp has licensed therapists that you can get matched with in a day. You can do it camera on, camera off. You can change therapists if you need to. You can find someone who specializes in a field that is particular to the the solutions you're looking for, which I think is so important and not always available. This is something you can do right from home and get into problem-solving mode. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. So, when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. <laughs> I mean, they, they're getting freebies, those Indeed guys. You know, they, need, they need to really think about maybe just giving us. us a little something. Yeah, they got to look after us. That's exactly right. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about setting goals for, uh, October. It's, it's a lot of games. And I, I think one of the things that's going to happen just naturally as a result of that is that we are going to be in a position when the world cup starts to really have a good thing about what we think we can achieve this season. So let me ask you first, just from a goal setting standpoint, macro view, what would you like to see us accomplish? And I mean, I know, win every single game, be top of the league, go on and win the title. But what are the important milestones that we need to deliver on or, or reach? You don't deliver on milestones, but you achieve over the course of October for Arsenal. 
That's why that's why your brain works. So you you immediately go into those sort of points, accumulations, and but the first thing I think about is okay. Every game we played so far this season, we've controlled it. You know, even the May United game, we've con- we've controlled it. Right, so so we have a level of control in all the games that we played, even the preseason friendlies. But yep. what I'm really looking for Elliot, is um, efficiency of our finishing. I think when you have a compressed month like October, you control games by controlling the scoreboard, right? And there was a couple of those games where we were a little bit edgy towards the end of Fulham and, uh, you know, in particular, shall we say, even Leicester had a couple of, you know, a couple of moments there, you know, and, and Villa as well. So, so basically, we've had some rocky moments with games and no one's going to control every minute of every game. You have to realise that at this level, everyone's going to have their moment, and you, it's how you adjust to their moment and how you regain control. And scoring goals at the right time, like we did at Brentford, really do make a difference. You know, scoring that first one when we did, scoring the other one just before half time, we come in and it's like, okay, what you got? And then we smash them just after half time. And then we start bringing on children, literally. You know, so, yeah. so that's the story. That's the ideal story that we need. We left a couple of goals on that table. If I'm if I'm the coach, I'm saying let's let's really focus on our starts are good, but our execution during our hot periods, because we can save legs while we're winning on on the pitch, you know, by controlling the game in a much less frantic way. I think it matters. Another thing, just to think about, obviously, we've got a compressed October, but so has everybody else, you know, and everyone has a compressed run into you know mid November now, and those injuries and how they cope with them and the, the lack of depth that we may, may not be looking at. You know, I'm looking at Jordan Henderson, the England squad, we were dodging hamstring. I mean, he's Liverpool captain, right? He's a, a major player and and he's not there and he's not there protecting Trent and people getting on that side and saying Liverpool getting beaten. It doesn't take much mm-hmm. from the engine to get, um, to start, you know, spluttering, you know? So, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking about really. For for me on the point side of things, I'm just focused on the bigger games. I think maybe I maybe some people say to me you focus too much life on our perception to the outside world. But I get annoyed when people don't analyze us correctly. And and our our analysis and our perception is one of being untrustworthy and weak on occasions. And they're liking what we're doing. They just smile and say, don't worry, they'll come back to the pack. They'll do something stupid soon. Shaq will get sent off soon. Next feed into that a lot. Let's be yeah. honest, right? So Shaq will get sent off. To, they'll get they'll, they'll end the game with 10 men. And it's just these old narratives that drive me crazy. And uh, mm-hmm. and I want to I wanna stick it back at, at people. But in the end, you got to take one thing. you got to take one moment at a time, one game at a time, one 15 minutes at a time, just execute and then things will change naturally. I felt the Manchester United game in particular, mate, I felt we wanted to make a statement too much and it cost us the game that we should never have lost, right? So now you could say, and this, this isn't Arsenal, by the way, this isn't Arteta, you could say, sometimes just take the draw, you know? But I'm not sure what that would have said, you know, to people. And we lost trying to win, you know? So because we just kept the ball for 10 minutes after we scored and see what see what transpired, let the game come to us. I felt that maturity was much more relevant in the Brentford game. So that's what I'm looking for. Efficiency in front of goal in this month of October for certain. I think it's going to matter, my friend. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question about it. I think one of the things that I'd like to see us do, Clive, is not need to to care about the PSV away game. I think we'd be we're in a good position to have the group essentially wrapped up before we go away to PSV, such that those last couple of games, PSV away and Zurich at home, don't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, some of that depends on what happens in the group, but I think if we can do that, we give ourselves a better position. It's it's 13 games in six weeks. It really is every three or four days for the next six weeks. Uh, it's it's so crazy in a way, right? Because we played one game, I think, in September. Maybe two depends. Did the Zurich game, what was it? We played Brentford. And did we play Zurich in September? Must be Zurich. I Zurich was September 8th. Yep. And Brentford was September 18th. Those are, oh no, Man United was in September as well. So maybe, maybe it's a little more than I'm thinking, but it, yeah. it just feels like we haven't played at all this this month. And now we're just going to have nonstop football. And so I think one thing that happens with footballers, Clive, I think cadence and routine is very important to them. And we're going to really see now what happens as we get into the routine of constantly playing. Um, you know, I, I think we really benefited from having a long build up to Brentford. You saw it. We had a really good plan. I think we came in really well coached. Arteta's now not going to have the time to prep the players maybe as much as he'd like between games. And players are going to have to be ready to just come in and know what their responsibility is and know what's needed from them. You know, yeah. Fabio Vieira had a couple weeks to know what was expected of him against Brentford. That's not going to be the case now. You're going to be called on and you're going to be expected to know what your role is. And the squad is going to be tested, as I said. I think I think the areas of the pitch are well covered. Um, do you see a scenario where there's there's a possibility that like a Gabriel Jesus might not start every league game? Do you think Arteta might try to be careful with that? That's one that I'm I, I think we can probably expect to see him go out every game. But what do you think Inkedia might have to offer for us during this run? I, th- I think there's a couple of things I'm looking at with these two. I think Eddie's got an important role to play. I think he needs to score, shall we say, soon. Um, I think that's, that'd be important to his confidence to feel part of the group. I think he's got his confidence now with his contract. But scoring a goal, having a big moment, I think he, he could do with that. You know, and yeah. I remember we watched the West Ham away game last year and I went to the game and he was excellent. He didn't score, but he looked like our leader of our attack. And that stuck with me. And he looks so confident towards the end of last season. He needs a goal to get that back, you know. Um, I don't want to be talking about it. It's one thing I don't want to be talking about is the things we spoke about before Gabriel Jesus came along, which was mm. he doesn't really score. He's not that efficient in front of goal. He doesn't score more on his XG. I mean, you'd know he's better than me. And I don't want to get to the month of, you know, October and we've had a couple of draws or in moments and, Suddenly we talk about Jesus, he's finishing, right? I don't want to talk about that. And then we're comparing his data to last year and all the rest of it. And that could happen in the flick of a switch, right? It really could. So I'm looking at him to really push on, right? To really push on and accelerate at this moment in time. So again, I, we had a little chat, didn't we, on the, on, the, on the AVP clip stuff that we were talking about. And, and I really love the rotation of the front four in the last game. And, and so I look at that group, and say, okay, Saka, you you know, you've a couple of goals you've unfortunate not to get. You know, probably deserved one against Brentford. He definitely deserved a square pass on Jesus and one of those attacks would have been a tap in for him. So I want to see him get his goals that he, he that he needs. Martelli playing really well as a playmaker, really a really a combining all round football player now. 
But again, got to keep pushing on. Get your numbers, get your goals, get your assists, keep pushing on. And these things will take care of themselves. Vieira's goal, it was brilliant, but none of us knew it was coming. You know, sleeve of set piece, beautifully worked. You didn't know it was coming. It took him a minute to react going in. (laughs) And so none of us knew it was coming. So I'm not saying he can't do it again. He's not like a, he's lucky. If you look at some of his Porto goals, they're beautiful. You know, and he takes mm-hmm. his shots. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's more to come here. But, um, but yeah, I want to see and, us. And Mikel seems to really like him, right? The comments oh. Mikel makes about him, he seems to be really excited about him. He won't, yeah. he won't hesitate to use Vieira, I'm sure of that. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think so. And there's a little training clip of him running through the art, you know, defense in training and just flashing through and scoring the roof in there. And you think, crikey, this kid is like, he's not messing about, you know, and, I find him really, really interesting. I, I, I just, he's not somebody that we can easily pin down as a certain position, <clears throat> but his football attributes are just so modern and complete and all round and total, you know, it's total footballer. And, um, and I live, you know, I had a little chat yesterday, didn't I? And I just think this type of player is potentially where the game is going. You know, this mm-hmm. type of, almost like a, almost like a, a robot player that can do almost everything in in any part of the pitch, you know. And this is this is where the game is going, and and because fix this up, we got in October. I think that's going to be the norm going forward. It won't be far off here. We're gonna we're gonna all think when you play Saturday to Saturday, you've had a rest. Well, that used to be the schedule, right? And so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we're saying, oh, we got a rest. Yeah. We got a week off to prepare. Hold on, that, that used to be what we used to do. Right, so now we've put mm-hmm. twenty odd gains on people, and we can need a different type of athlete potentially, you know, to play those games. Maybe less heavily muscled in those metronomic high kilometer rolls, and then you really protect your big muscle sprinters like Jesus, Smarter, um, Saka, maybe Martinelli up to a point. They're the explosive athletes. They're the ones that we have to really make sure they don't lose that zip and really look after their legs, you know. So. So yeah, it would be interesting to watch, right? I, I can't, I'm actually really excited to see how we cope, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's definitely going to be a period where I think the, the table stretches out a little and we start to really see what club's ambitions are going to be for the remainder of the season. Because, you know, like Liverpool, for example, they have no time to screw around now. They got to go to Arsenal, wrapped around those Rangers games, and their next game is hosting Man City. You know, they lose those games. Their ambitions are just to get back, maybe climb back into a top four situation. You know, they do host, uh, they also go to Tottenham during this run uh, before the the World Cup. You know, Manchester United have a bunch of tough fixtures. And one of the things that's a benefit of the the postponements is that United and Spurs play each other in a midweek between Premier League fixtures. So there's going to be a lot of really tricky, yeah, really tricky stuff that's going on during this period. And I think it's just going to stretch that table out a little bit more, right? Are Manchester United under uh, um, under Ten Hag really a a top four challenger, or will they fall back a little bit? As I think they might. Um, the Chelsea under Potter, like the one the one team that's really happy with the way the schedule has played out, it has got to be Chelsea, right? With Graham Potter getting time to try to work on what he's going to want that team. He's almost had a preseason now yeah. to get ready for the season kicking off again. Um, and so, and they don't have the toughest run when the football returns. You know, nothing's really easy, obviously, in the Premier League, but they don't have the toughest run until, I guess, 
they host United or they host us at the very end of this run. So would you say that maybe Chelsea has the most to gain in terms of coming back from this layoff and hitting this run of fixtures, having basically had a, a preseason under Potter to show them themselves revitalized? Yeah, Chelsea really interests me because because they've got a good guy manager, right? For the first time in a while, a really good guy in, in Potter. I think they're very smart to get him because, you know, maybe Spurs were sniffing around him if Conte was going to go somewhere, you know, if, I know it's a big if, going to Juventus, but they'll definitely be going for, for Potter. England coming out of the World Cup, if things went really badly, you know, England would be looking at Potter. So Chelsea sort of said, nah, we'll have him, you know, and they've grabbed him and, and more or less said to him, we're going to give you time. Now, will they give him time? We don't know. But we don't know their their ownership model anymore. We're not so clear on what their identity is going to be, what they're trying to, what they're trying to, you know, perce- you know make their perception change going forward. Because with, with Abramovich, we knew exactly what's going to happen. You lose a few games, you're gone, right? I don't mind paying you off. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get somebody else in. I don't mind buying a player and just, like, Lukaku and moving him on. Didn't bother me, right? So, um, so those days... It's going to be interesting to see what identity Chelsea have. They bought a number of young youth players with with good good money, and they've also bought players. Do, do you like rate a, Potter, by the way? Do you rate? I I I like him. I I, I like mm-hmm. how he approaches management. Um, I like uh, he did some qualifications in emotional intelligence, which for me is what management is. I like mm-hmm. how he like how he builds people, gives them time. I like all these things that you can do that you can do when you're at Brighton, you know. Mm. Um, and but when you're at Chelsea, lose three games, and no one's talking about emotional intelligence. They're talking about when you're going to get our striker scoring or when you're going to stop conceding goals. Right? The light is brighter. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting if they're going to have the guts to stay with him, um, because the appetite for success at Chelsea has become the norm become the normal behaviour and it's been ingrained for two decades it's going to be interesting to see if people can give him time we know about this because when Arteta finished eighth twice people with really high expectations didn't really care about the use case they just saw the fact we finished eighth they saw the fact we were bottom of the league and that was enough right and you've got to go because we're Arsenal and a lot of people we're looking at the bigger picture and looking at the fact that our squad was aged and high wages and we had to clean it. And there comes, a, I, I, I wanted to delay my judgment until that was done and many others felt the same, right? So we know what it's like to lower expectations for the for the greater good over a longer period of time. Interesting yeah. to see what Chelsea, what, what Chelsea fall on, what model they fall on. And I'm, I'm generally not sure, but, but interested, you know, really interested. We have a couple of things that we own that no one else has. One of them is the gold trophy. <laughs> That's one thing. Mm-hmm. And and the other, you know, the way we organically build things at Arsenal, it, it, in London, it's quite unique. We, we do give young players a chance. We do yep. grow. We, we're quite self-sustainable, and we, we hold that identity. If Chelsea was to come along and get all the best young youth players and then have a an, an English manager... Do you see where I'm going? They could they yeah. could take a lot of our things that we that we feel are unique to us, right? But um, they'll still be Chelsea, by the way. But but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I, I they interest me till the end up and see if they're allowed to go where I think they want to go. 
let's see what happens here. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, I, I'm I'm looking at it this way. We we play seven times. It's 21 points. We're currently on 18 points after seven matches played. I think two points per. So so how many how many games left? There's 21 games left. If we did two points per match the rest of the way, that's 42 points. 42 and 18 is 52. No, that's not going to be enough, is it? Um, not nearly. Did I do that math right? You probably Let's didn't. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I know that I had us down for 78 points this season. I had us down for. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think, is that right? Was that too heavy? I know the Discord ah. boys laughed at me when I went 78 points, but let's of see. I did it wrong. <laughs> so, so obviously, if we get two points the rest of the way per game, which is a lot, by the way, that's 31 remaining games times two is obviously 62. 62 plus the 18 we currently have would be 80 points. And 80 points is a good season, and we would probably take that, I think. So oh, absolutely, yeah. You, you look at that and you say, all right, well, that means we need to get 14 points during these next seven fixtures. I don't think that's unreasonable, Clive. I don't think that's unrealistic. I mean, can you get three points against Southampton away, Forest at home? Can you get three points at Wolves away? They're they're pretty they're pretty lousy right now, if we're being honest. Um, trying to think, Leeds away. I think you'd, you'd like to be able to say you could do that. So it really comes down to this Liverpool and these Tottenham games, and I I can't help but think what this club needs, Clive. And and I guess we can finish on this. I think we're very good right now. I think we play great football, and I think we're going to have a good season. This club needs a a statement win or two so that the people that, you know, to, to announce ourselves, so to speak, right? We should have beaten United away and we didn't. And and that's really disappointing. And I understand anybody who's, who's pretty pissed off about that. You got to win the Derby. You got to beat Liverpool. You got to, you got to win some of these games against the teams that other people still think are better than us, that maybe we still think are better than us to prove that they're not to confirm, because you know what you can, you can do it the Arsene Wenger way. You can beat up the Southamptons and the forests and the wolves and still get your way to top four. But if we really want to think we're on to something special here, one of the ways you do it is, is you get one of these statement games that flips the mindset so that the players and the manager and the fans and the punditry realize Arsenal aren't just a little better than they were. Arsenal are here. Arsenal are maybe better than Liverpool, are better than Tottenham, right? That That's the kind of thing that can really change, not just the way we think about things, but Clive, I think even in the dressing room, as a player, you walk out onto the pitch to face a Liverpool and suddenly you don't think, we're the plucky underdogs just trying to be in the game. You think, we're going we're gonna to beat this team because we're better than them. We need to start thinking we're better than these teams, and that starts by getting some of these wins in these games, which we have not done. So, I mean, I know we beat Tottenham at home last season. We've not beaten Liverpool. Um, so I, these are these are important games. Do you think that that's, that's really it right now, right? If you can win these games, it's not just about the points. It's about the statement you make that we're not the plucky underdog trying to come up anymore. We're, we're here, and we, we make a statement of arrival, you know, which yeah. might even help the players going forward. I, I agree with you, but sometimes you can't want that too much. And so, and, yeah. and I think that's where we've been. I think we're quite a young team. I think we wanted it too much at Spurs. We didn't need to win that game, you know, last year. And that and that bled into Newcastle, right? So you become scared so, to lose more than excited to win, right? We, that's yeah. what happened at Newcastle. We were scared I, to lose that game. I, I just think we didn't quite have the right approach, but. We literally went down trying to be us, right? We just didn't execute on the day and got and got beaten fair and square on both days. But I think 
You know, Crystal Palace away and Brentford away. That's six points we didn't get last year. Mm-hmm. And we rolled into Brentford and slapped them. And I thought I thought the first game of the season was the most important game this season. We needed to win it and that's it up the next five, right? So mm-hmm. so I I think taking care of those games, taking care of Everton away, you know, huge issue. Winning one nil with like fifteen minutes to go, end up losing two one. Those games are just as important. The last time I looked, you get three points for win, no matter what. And maybe we've got to just say, you know what? Let's not want this too much. We're controlling our games of football. Let's focus on how we play. And eventually, if we execute, we're going to get what we need. But by trying almost too hard to make a statement, I think we left ourselves open in some of those critical moments. So I love the control of the last game, Brentford. The calm control taking our time when we were one, two, nil up, mm. really owning that game from minute one to minute 90. It was really, really good. And if we can do that and uh, with a lot less emotion involved and just win the games, accumulate the points, I think the statement that you're after will be made by where we are in the table. And I think that's the, that's the thing yeah. I'm looking for, maturity of approach. No, that, that that's a really good point. And ultimately, like, there is that danger with young players that they want something so badly that instead of being able to just go out and and play their football, they're trying to do that extra bit, that extra bit because they want it so badly. And sometimes just doing the basics, right? Just doing yeah. the fundamentals is so important. The thing that I think is is the genius of, of the system Arteta has implemented though is you just go stand in the right place. You just go be in the place you're supposed to be. You just go to where the system tells you to be and the rest sort of works itself out. The next pass becomes obvious, right? The next option is available, it. right? See, one of the things that I didn't like about Emery, it puts so much responsibility on the players to just have to solve so many complex problems at once. And I do think that even though we think of this as a very complex system that Arteta has installed, I think that if you're in your position, it actually simplifies the game. There's someone right there for you. There's another pass to make. There's someone protecting, you know, your vulnerabilities. There's someone giving you the next option to pass. And so yeah. that should take some responsibility off. You know what? We I remember under, you know, under Wenger towards the end, there'd be these swaths of green grass that a single player was responsible for trying to attack into or defend back into. We're not seeing that anymore. And that can take the pressure off players. It is also the case that we're not going to be going into big games like Newcastle with Cedric starting, right? Or with a player starting who is not fit for purpose with all due respect. Like we have, we have strength and depth at a lot of key positions. So that that's good. I think the fixture computer has handed us a a bit of a gift. I think having Spurs at home and Liverpool at home, when we're flying, when Liverpool aren't really up and running yet, when they've got important European fixtures to concern themselves with, and when Spurs are coming out of an international break with their attacking, uh, Trident sort of spread all over the world doing whatever they got to do for internationals. I think we have a chance to go win these games and look at ourselves at the top of the table, having beaten Spurs and Liverpool and just foot to the pedal. I think that that can be a catalyst. So this is, I don't see this as a, a challenge so much as an opportunity. It's just an opportunity we have to take. We have to show that we have the mental fortitude now. Cause I, I think we are playing well enough to, to win both these games. So yeah. it's about the mental fortitude to execute, you know? I agree. And I think, Given the fact we are quite young and we, are, you know, we're trying to mature r- rapidly, having that break may suit this young group. I know it sounds crazy; yeah. it's a unique season, but having a World Cup break, 
will allow a lot of those younger players to say, okay, I can I can go into almost treat it like two seasons in one. Don't get ahead of yourself, right? Don't start uh, to yeah, get get your head just calms taken it away. Down. By, yeah, exactly. Just calm it down. And they come back and then we go into the Christmas routine and and then we have got January to have a look at maybe doing a little bit of housekeeping in the squad, maybe learn some people out to develop them and bring in maybe one or two more proven players and build a couple of players in the background, right? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what we end up doing. But I think having that break would suit this team, this young team, having that rest from the Arsenal bubble, shall we say, and going off to different parts of the world, then coming back with a refreshed state of mind and really attacking the second half of the season, knowing that they failed last year up to a point, they were, our expectations were raised and they didn't quite meet them. But I think that experience will be invaluable in the second half of the season. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to get at least to the Champions League and then we'll see what happens thereafter. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And look, I mean, this has been a weird period, even just like in terms of podcasting, because you you realize there's just not much happening. And I think it is hard to to, to switch gears from a really easy, gentle period of one fixture every two weeks to playing every three or four days. That's yeah. the part that's going to be interesting to see the impact it has. It's going to impact every team a little differently. I, I do think given our, our relative youth, maybe it, it's a huge advantage to us. We don't necessarily have to play our starters on Thursdays. We don't have players that are, you know, in, in the end of their prime or, or past their prime, really. I mean, one or two, not, not a big cluster of them. And you do look at teams like Spurs or like Liverpool who have held on to some players who are in their late prime, and those players are going to have to play the midweek games and have to play the weekend fixtures, they're going to be in a really tough spot. Mikel has a lot of pressure on him, I think, to really, really avoid the temptation to put first-choice type players out there on Thursdays because our ability to rotate for those games is a massive competitive advantage against the other teams that would want to challenge us for the places we think we can take. And we have to use that advantage over the next six weeks. We cannot afford to be going party and Jesus and Saka and Martinelli and, and Shaka, you know, against Bode Glimt. We just can't. So it'll be interesting to see how Mikel reacts to the pressure of this, this crucible that we have coming up now uh, with the fixture congestion. I'm excited for it though. And I, I have a, a, a trust and a faith in Arsenal that I haven't felt in a very long time. In the past, I've liked some of the stuff we were doing Last season, I like some of the stuff we're doing, but I recognize the fragility. I looked at some of the players sitting on the bench thinking that guy's one you know, one injury away from playing and we're not going to be very good if that happens or we look like we're getting it, but I'm not convinced yeah. we've totally gotten it. This is the first time in a long time I look at Arsenal and I'm like, this has properly clicked. The talent is what we need to play the football we want and I trust the players and the manager to consistently go out there and deliver on it. So yeah. I don't feel a lot of that fear and concern that I have in the past, you know? That's a big statement from you, because <laughs> you would find. I mean, fear. I, have, I, I always have something that I'm worried about, but it's it's not so much what it was in the past. Let's uh, let's leave it there, Clive. We'll have a Brentford rewatch at some point this week, uh, and then realistically, um, the way the schedule is going to work, we're going to have our pods Monday and Friday because you can't do a pod Thursday when we're playing Thursday. On the Patreon side, you're going to be getting your instant reactions, same as you always did. You're going to be getting a rewatch or something, same as you always have. So there's going to be plenty for everyone. And once again, if you want to vote for us in the FCAs, we'd love that. The details are in the description. Thank you for being here, though. We are about to enter an epic period of Arsenal dominance, unlike any we've seen in a long, long time. And I, for one, <laughs> am here for it, as the kids say. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. 
My name is Elliot Smith, the Bachman Twitter, Yankee Gunner. It's coming, everybody. The football's coming back like a tidal wave, and it starts with the Derby. Can't wait for it, personally. I hope you are as excited as I am. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 Spurs News. No.